Where am I? <laughs> In the box? Uh-oh. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Remember that time we watched XX? I don't remember watching a concert on Netflix. No, not the band. Like, the chromosome. Oh, like that one with all the dope ladies who directed and wrote. Yeah, the four horror short anthology that's available on Netflix now. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen it a couple times. It's very good. It is a anthology of four horror stories, all written and directed by women. Mm-hmm. Um, all of them are a part of a different subgenre in horror, which makes it a really fun watch. If you're kind of in the mood for a very different kind of short way of watching a horror film, and you kind of want a hodgepodge, like you don't know what you're looking for it's a good good one to uh go for and we have some interstitials by sophia carrillo yeah is that right Mm -hmm. incredible super creepy not really tied in with the horror shorts but they're creepy in their own right and they're amazing yeah uh so anyway i'm nicole i'm topher and we're the horror babes here to bring you horror right to your headphones or speaker i don't know how you listen to this maybe you plug it into a child and they just yell it at you live your life They probably have a better voice than I do. Fuck off with that. (laughs) I'm kidding. Okay, so how we're going to kind of do this is we'll go through each story one at a time. It's going to kind of be, I guess, little mini Horror Babes episodes, but there will be four, and they'll all be in this one right here. Like an anthology almost. Weird. Oh my god, yeah. It's like we're following the stories. Huh. Huh. Okay, so we're going to break down who did this thing, who acted in it. Right. And then we'll break down the plot, and then we'll go into an analysis, and then we'll move on to number two, number three, and then number four. I mean, what I like about this movie just up top is I I happen to be a big fan of anthologies. Mm -hmm. I've always really enjoyed them. There are a number of, I think, generally misguided horror fans who don't. Because they, you know, like one of the, I guess up top, like this movie was received with mixed reviews, and often those were along gender lines. Shock and awe. We'll right, talk about yeah. that later, but it's something that I saw a lot was just people like, oh, well, you know, it's weird. There's no time to develop anything. Like, there, there's no character nuance. There's no story nuance. Like, yeah, no shit. That's it's the tw- point. That's the fucking yeah, point. It's that's a- the point. <laughs> I saw that a lot with, and we'll talk about this one later. There's kind of like a slasher monster type one. Yes. It's number three. And I'm kind of like, yeah, that's... People were complaining that you that uh, you don't have time to develop the characters or that they didn't care about the characters. And trust me, that's always my number one complaint. Yeah. You will hear me say it a thousand times, but here I think it's irrelevant. I think you, first of all, in a slasher, you don't need to develop the characters. It's kind of the point of the genre. Yeah. Second of all, it's a short. Mm-hmm. That's not... Yeah, it, it's, t- it's a <laughs> yeah. short story. Like, you're not, you're not going to get an hour of character development. So yeah, the first one's going to kick off. I'm going to, it's a little, the structure's going to be a little hard here for me because I'm not sure. It, it's hard to parse out who did exactly what for which. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it was fairly collaborative. So like we said up top, everything here was written and directed by women. Mm-hmm. The first one was based on a short story written by the famous and prolific horror author, Jack Ketchum. Yes. So the it's based on, but Javanka Vukovic mm-hmm. was the one who wrote the script. So still written by adapted by what have you yes it looks like most if not all of the cinematographers were men mm-hmm. and i don't have a lot to say about cinematography in this there's some cool shout outs to shots that are really well done in here but it's mm-hmm. nothing like it's not the focus here except no in one of them. you're you're in it for the yeah the storytelling and those were ian anderson taryn anderson and patrick katie uh production 
was done from XYZ and Magnet Releasing picked it up for distribution. First released on January 22nd at Sundance and later released as a birthday gift to me. <laughs> that same year. Cute. So yeah, like we said, nice tight running time. Each of the shorts is between 15 and 20 minutes, plus the interstitials makes it 80 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Huge budget for this, relatively speaking, which makes sense. There's a lot of stop motion and yes. know, all of that. Uh, cost about $2 million to make. Did not do well at the box office, but it was only had a limited release, so it only got 55000 56000 some of that range mm-hmm. at the box office. So it's not like... That wasn't the point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with that, yeah, let's uh, we can jump on in. Great. So we start out with uh, the story called The Box, and we've got Natalie Brown mm-hmm. playing Susan Jacobs, who is the mom in this. We've got Peter Dacuna playing Danny Jacobs who is her uh, son. And then we've got Peyton Kennedy playing Jenny Jacobs, their daughter, and then Jonathan Watton playing Robert Jacobs, the dad. And that's pretty much all we have except for the man on the subway. Yeah, there's a doctor in the, in the man on the subway. And that's yeah, it. the doctor for, and the man on the subway. Roles, that's it. Um, so it's a very tight cast. And we open up with this mom has clearly taken her kids into Manhattan for like the day, maybe to do some Christmas shopping or ice skating, all of that. Yeah, yeah, they're just just doing. Yeah, having a fun time in the city. And they're on the subway, and in traditional kid fashion, the son Danny sees this man with a box. Mm -hmm. And of course, he's like, hey, mister, what's in there? He probably doesn't say it like that, but it's in that vein. It's in that vein. It's it's the typical like kid thing. And I'm I have been a babysitter before. It is it can be just like very like, oh my God, just just mind your own business. Especially yeah, in leave New York. People alone. Yeah, I'm just like, mind your own business. I don't want to talk to this person and it's just gonna be so awkward. We still have like ten more stops. Please just don't <laughs> engage. But kids will do it um, because they're sweet and innocent. And of course the mom's like, Danny, like, you know, mind your own fucking business. And, and the man's like, oh, no, it's fine. And, of course, gives, like, this creepy smile. He's, like, he's almost like Slender Man, you know? Like, they've, he they've does kind have that of, vibe of, like, he, he's yeah. every creepy character I've seen in a Trench train coat, story hat, on yeah. No Sleep or something like that. Yeah, check, check, check. And he opens the box, and Danny, you know, looks in it, and then just kind of, like, sits back and is silent for the rest of it. And then we flash forward to them getting home, maybe in upstate New York or Connecticut. I'm not sure if it matters, but they have like a big suburban home. Mm -hmm. And then it's, you know, dinner time. The dad is like, is like, hey, dinner's on the table. Dinner's ready. And they all sit down for family dinner. And Danny's just like, I'm not hungry. And the parents are like, okay, you're just being a kid. Like, yeah, like you should eat. But like kids do that sometimes. They excuse him. And he goes to to his room, I guess. And is it later that night? Is this when he tells his sister? His dad is concerned. His mom's just like, look, kids do this. Like, this is just, a, like, kids are weird. Their bodies are growing. They have no idea what's happening to them. Yeah. It's, kids are just going to be weird sometimes. Well, and I think, I think the mom even, mom even said something like, yeah, we had this and that. Like, they went to the city. Like, yeah, they, they had, had this, this, and this. And yada, yada. Yeah. Little treats. So we're not thinking anything of it. Right. right. Yeah. You know, kids but do that. This goes on for a couple of days. We see several different mm-hmm. meals. They make his favorites. They get pizza. They do all this stuff. And he's just not eating. They go to the doctor. The doctor's like, why the fuck didn't you bring him in sooner? And they're like, we didn't think it was an issue. Or mom's like, I didn't think it was an issue. And the dad's yeah. all like up our ass about it. I think he's they lost mentioned five like, pounds. Wasn't, 
how long how long was it because i remember when they said that i was like okay i think they might have brought him in it was a few days it was a few days i was kind of like uh i think i think they might have brought him in at like the right time i mean i get as like parents panic and everyone loves to judge each other but i'm like i don't know i've seen kids protest and not eat before yeah and then and then once it becomes a problem it becomes a problem and you go to the doctor i kind of think this doctor's a little judgy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I understand, but it's every no one's no one's wrong and no one's right here. Exactly. When it comes to the health of a child, it's it's really person person basis. Yeah. It was so, like three days. Yeah. Yeah. But later that later on, yeah, he speak, Danny speaks with Jenny, the, mm-hmm. the the daughter, and then suddenly she stops eating as well. And every time they catch them talking about it, the answer is always, "What are you talking about? Nothing." Mm-hmm. So. That goes on. The dad freaks out and screams at Danny and Danny's crying and dad's crying and no one, he's just so frustrated and the mom's just sitting there just like, I don't know what to do, but like I'm sitting here and I can't, whatever. And the dad gets pissed at her too. And it's like, how can you just sit there and eat when our children are starving themselves to death? And she's like, should I starve too? Which is such a typical male versus female response to that. But I'll get to that when we talk about mm -hmm. analysis. Yeah, and then finally, the dad goes to try and talk to Danny, and he comes back, and mom asks him what he was talking about, and he says nothing. He stops eating, too. She has this really great, vivid dream of her, like, lying on the dinner table, smiling, and her family eating her. It's my favorite part of the whole thing. It's good gore. Yeah, it's really, really good. (laughs) (laughs) And then it switches to narration, and we just see scenes, and it's... Christmas Day, the kids are, and dad are putting on everything, and we see how emaciated they've become. Great CGI. Yeah, really well done. It's really well done there. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, no one's new clothes fit, but it was a nice moment with us all together and everything. And then her family dies one by one, you know, like a week apart each, basically. Like a couple days apart each, basically the amount of time it took between them stopping eating and Mm -hmm. going forward. And then we see her just sort of roaming the trains looking for the man with the box to find out what was in it. Yeah. And that's the that's the end. Yeah. So it's obviously very tight. It's interesting because this one is kind of it's got it's got eerie overtones through the whole thing and I would like to contribute or attribute that to the mom's complacency. Mm-hmm. The whole time, like it almost feels like she is in a nightmare. One of those nightmares where you're screaming, but no one can help you. Right. Like, but yet we're not seeing her scream because in the beginning, like what I referenced when we were talking about the plot is when the dad makes a comment of like, how can you eat when our children are starving? I was like, well, it goes back to that whole like. Uh, put your mask on before you can assist others like on the airplane yeah and stuff like that like if your glass isn't full how can you start to fill others Mm -hmm. and i and i do think that that is a very typical male versus female uh mindset sort of it's this like brash like i have to protect and save and do it even at the cost of my own life yeah exactly it's some weird like dramatic thing where the where it is dramatic it is and (laughs) and the mom is just like well, if if I die, I can't protect them. So right. what do you like? You yeah. haven't thought this out. Like you've thought this out like right now, but you haven't thought <laughs> about the consequences of you not eating. But 
overall, this mom, we never see her in hysterics. We never see her, even after they die, she's kind of in this, like, foggy place. Yeah, she seems fugish. Yeah, throughout the whole thing, which at first I was like, is it because she was present for the first, like, the box? Mm. Like, like, could it have also had an effect on her? I would love to read the story that it's based off of. Yeah, I, 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 I could only find get... a copy from Amazon and I'm kind of fucking sick of them. Fair. Bezos um, doesn't need more of my coin in his pockets. I'm surprised I couldn't find an online, like a library version. Yeah, I know. But... I looked all over and NYPL doesn't have it. Dang. Well, we'll, we will figure that out. But I I just, it might not even give us any anything more than we already know. Mm -hmm. But I just found that kind of interesting, because it's a very different reaction to all of your loved ones, this family that you've created, um, dying. Definitely. Right? Yeah. And that's why I feel like it might be kind of like a nightmare logic sort of thing. Where, like, maybe underneath she's screaming and is hysterical, but in in a dream you don't always act that way. Sure. I like that. I think that's an interesting interpretation of it. I mean, for me, I love this one because it reminds me of the old days of no sleep. Before yeah. everyone was writing these, like, glorious epics and they were all... They're, it's not great these days. I don't mean to disparage. There's a lot of great authors on there, but it has definitely gone down in quality from mm-hmm. when it was single-shot, creepy stories... Yeah. In the vein of old, you know, creepy pastas and stuff like that. Creepy pastas. So it definitely reminds me of that. That sort of classic horror short story where it doesn't take forever to set things up. It's not about the, like, slower pacing. It's all about just making sure. I don't know. I, I love a short. As someone who, like, writes shorts and directs shorts, I'm a big mm. fan of them. So I'm biased here. Yeah. But... Well, biased and to a good opinion. So who cares? Yeah. Uh, but the I love them because they, they make you get in and get out. You know, I love shorts as a shit or get off the pot scenario. Yeah. You know, it's down and dirty. Mm-hmm. There's no time. There's no time to waste. So you just make sure you use every second of it. Yeah. And I really love that. I don't think there's any wasted shots in this one. Yeah. It's it's very it's very tight and it just yeah. gives you gives you the whole thing and then flashes forward a little bit mm-hmm. but yeah it's a it's a condensed amount of time i think that the dad dies in february maybe it, i think that's what she says yeah. she says some weird she uses very strange language when she talks about his death yeah he lingered, he lingered yeah. until february something which i mean just like biologically makes sense he's bigger has more fat on him all of that oh and, totally like, like the son and the daughter dying within days of each other makes sense because they started their starvation within days of each other yeah and they're so young and little it kills them quickly you know a 30 something 40 year old man is going to take a lot longer to kill that way yeah it just it it came off as like kind of strange language but maybe that was taken from the book which was written or the story which was written a while ago so maybe that was more normal language then but now it might be yeah but now it kind of feels like it feels menacing when you say like so, when you yeah. when you reference someone dying. You say like yeah, they lingered, like they stayed too long for your taste. I I think that's part of it though. I like the language for that reason. Mm-hmm. I've always liked that line in there because it it's this detached feeling that she has. Yeah. So, I found a pretty cool like condensed review of each of these from mm-hmm. Horror Homeroom, and again, this will be this will be we'll linked link in our it. Yeah, yeah show description like we do. So this was written by. Don Keatley for Horror Homeroom. And this is the longest review she has of any of them. Like, she breaks down a review for all four shorts, mm-hmm. but this is the longest one. 
she focuses on the sort of what it means to be a motherness of this. Yes. And it's interesting that she what she points out is that there's like a sterility to this. Yes. The sterile surroundings, the sterile like and then then like the tepid responses of this mother. Mm-hmm. So she mentions that the original short story is inscrutable. Mm-hmm. Right. It, that's that's kind of the point of it. So this gets it across, which is great. That's yeah. that's a success. So uh, I'll I'll just quote from her here now. She says. The sterile mise-en-scene that Vukovic creates, however, along with the lifelessness, the joylessness of her characters, suggests that this perfectly quote-unquote normal, white, wealthy family just dies of its own lack of vitality, its own ennui. Right. And so she's she goes on to wonder, you know, if this isn't a comment about this norm, a staple of the horror genre as a white, wealthy family, mm-hmm. if that's something that we should see as a dying breed. Got it. Without making a comment on like I think Don Keatley here does make her own sort of comments on it, which is her prerogative as a reviewer. Yeah. The director, I think, Vukovic, does not seem to comment on whether or not that's a good or bad thing, but mm. merely as like a almost like a journalistic uh, uh, documentarian view. Yes. Right. I agree. And that's kind of how I I like that view of this as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the passivity of the mother is interesting, and I I find that it's so it's so compelling to unwrap that. It's I, I think the the point of that is almost that she is that she herself is like the box, unknowable, enigmatic, mm-hmm. and a passive object that still causes death. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that the real thing to unravel is how you feel about the mother here, and how you definitely. Uh, Susan, I should say, is the character's name. How you feel about Susan in this? Because I think that that's the that's the thing to unpack. Like wondering what's in the box. Like I, I read a bunch of reviews, being like, "Well, why didn't we even find out what was in the box?" I'm like, "Yeah, because good a- God, dude, watch a fucking movie. Yeah, enjoy a-, a little bit of goddamn art for once." Yeah, I was about to say that you can be you can let yourself be distracted by asking what's in the box and speculating yeah. and all of that, but I don't like that is. Yes, that's the title of the short, but I that's certainly not the point. Yeah. It's or else like, they would have made the point. I would you love know? to see someone like that wander around MoMA. Actually, scratch that. I would hate that. It's, <laughs> it's just another one of those. It's that, that the person who says, well, why didn't we find out what's in the box is the same person who looks at Jackson Pollock and says, well, I could paint that. Well, it's like it's like what I was saying in our last episode about Pie Wacket. It, it immerses you a little bit when you don't yeah. see... A thing or the thing isn't even tangible like you can't see it you know mm-hmm. who knows who knows what it even was but yeah I think you're absolutely right that that it's a mistake to distract yourself with what's in the box yeah. it's better to try and unpack the personification of the box absolutely. which is the mother yes yeah I'm I'm not Brad Pitt. This isn't Seven, and that's not my fucking line. Is what's in the box? The yeah, question yeah. is, the question is answers itself by asking more questions, and I like that. It's mm-hmm. a it, trying to unravel it, trying to dive into it is the goal. Yeah. And I I just wish that people would watch movies that way. It's I I love a dumb fun romp as much as the next person we were watching when Harry met Sally last night because it mm-hmm. was so I love that movie as problematic as it is. I really love that movie and it's 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 fluff it's it's not schlock it's nice but it's like yeah it was on cable yeah it was just sitting there and i just sat there and watched it but that's i i don't engage with that film the same way that i do with the box and why and it, I, they're both good and they both have their place but saying well i should know what was in there i don't know maybe if you did know what was in there you'd stop eating and starve too 
Yeah, exactly. Who knows? It's, it's it's just not <laughs> it's just not the point. I get so tired of that. Sorry, I, that was a that was a rant and a tangent, but I just get so absolutely exhausted of people demanding to know every single answer to a piece of art. I mean, because it's just it's pointless. Like, yeah, I mean, we've covered that. We've covered that in in our past episodes. It's come up so much that yeah. that's kind of the point. Is that you like you're gonna you're going to kill yourself over just like asking all these questions that there aren't answers to, or there shouldn't be answers to, you know, like, like you can speculate. And I love that when people are inspired by one thing, they make another piece of art that maybe answers the, or is like an answer to that. And that is when asking those questions becomes productive. Yes. Right. Being inspired by it and asking yourself questions about your own art and answering them and yeah, I, yeah, I, I just don't get I, mad at a film for not showing you something. Yeah, like it's silly. It's, it's so funny because like there are there are good reasons to be upset with filmmakers for not answering questions that they promised answers to. Yeah. No one promised Nobody you an pro- answer to the, what was in the yeah. box. No one yeah. promised you that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just got excited. Yeah, I'm no, like, no, no. yeah, no yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, um, it reminds me of like Game of Thrones fans demanding yeah. that they recut the final season no the final season just sucks yeah, like just sorry you know, sorry you're not it's not gonna be you, like people demand satisfaction it's like you can't because yeah, you're not it is gonna what get it, it. Is. no yeah. one's gonna spend hundreds of millions of dollars remaking the final seasons of game of thrones because yeah. the creators did that on purpose they made it suck yeah we had we had many a good year you know we just gotta let it yeah. go let it go had a good seven leave the eighth alone just like this this is a this is good all the way through and stop asking for stuff you weren't promised. Yeah. And with that being said, I think we should maybe move on to the second yes, one. There's not much definitely. more to unpack with the first one. Our second one is the birthday party, right? That's right. Yeah, that's the second one. And I should we should mention, yeah, I think we said they were interstitials, but yeah, there's really cool oh, stop yes. motion happening but in the beginning and in between each of these and at the ends. It's like some from Sofia Carrillo. We can discuss what that is at the end. It's it's yeah. nice to there's maybe some things to unpack there. I'm sure that there are. I just haven't given it as much thought as I would like to because I've been thinking more about the other ones. But I would love to say, I would like to mention, just like shout out this wonderful near silent stop motion film that happens broken up throughout. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about it right now. So these interstitials, they are basically all of these stop, it's stop motions of like these dolls in this like kind of haunted looking mansion. Yeah, different just like rooms creepy rotted Mrs. And... Haversham style mansion for sure. And there's a, like a dollhouse with a baby face. It looks like the, the things that Sid would make in Toy Story. Definitely. Oh shit. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. With all the like, you've, you've mangled all of the different Barbies and then put them yeah. together. Definitely. Cause there's the animated dolls hands that by animated, I mean moving. Uh, I've yeah. been playing too much D&D. There's the animated doll hand that goes around and keeps trying to find things to put in the dollhouse to get it to function because it starts off mm-hmm. sort of defunct, moving a little bit here and there, but not able to like locomote yeah. or motivate or whatever. And yeah. the hand goes around and each interstitial, it finds another thing to give yes. the dollhouse to give it life. Yes. It, it keeps doing this throughout and it's super fucking creepy, but really cool. Yeah. And almost sweet in a way, I would say. Yeah. And so the hand finally finds this blackbird. If it's stuffed or alive, no one can really tell. But it puts it in this baby, and the baby doll starts crying immediately. It takes it out, stops crying, and then it finds this little girl at the end and puts it in her chest where there's a little door. It puts it in her chest, and it functions like her heart, and she comes to life. And the dollhouse seems pleased. It's a very... 
it's a it's a perfect palate cleanser. Yeah, it's a for nice... all of these because I think yeah. it would be really weird if you just went one after the other after the other. Like this isn't like a DVD set where you can just like you know pick yeah. through the table of contents. It's like it everything is intended mm-hmm. in this, and it it is the perfect palate cleanser between each one, mm-hmm. right? Definitely. Because they're all different, so you need something completely different in between. Yeah. And this definitely gives you that. Yeah. But still presses that button. Absolutely. It's funny. I So like I said, I watch a lot of anthologies because I really like having horror shorts, and I don't feel bad about cutting out a, uh, an anthology halfway through because there's not a narrative being told exactly, except there usually is, and here's why. I saw people complaining that this short stop-motion film was broken up and scattered throughout as the interstitials as opposed to its own bit. And they're like, well, I wish really wish we could have just like seen it all at once. That would have been great. And it's like, you don't... The... Anthologies need a frame story. Mm-hmm. You know, that they, they need something that, like you said, a palate cleanser is a really great way of putting it because you don't just want to slam one short into another. Yeah. That's not how you watch them. Because no. you, you're going to get all muddied up with the emotions you're supposed to feel for each one. So you're taken out of it. And I think stop motion is a perfect way to do that because it's always creepy. Mm-hmm. It keeps you at that creep level while barely telling a narrative, having no dialogue. Yeah. Barely any sound except for the score. And so it's this really great sort of like, uh, like when they would play cartoons between war films or things like that in the 40s, right? Exactly. Or if you ever go see... the same a, idea. If you, if you ever go see a double feature at a theater, they always sort of like do something in between to mm-hmm. give you the palate cleanser so that you can stop your brain on the other film and bring it into the next. It's the same as like the, we call it palate cleanser because it's like what you do with food courses. You give definitely mild and bland or not even bland mild and like a resetting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, like no one complains about Rod Serling in the twilight zone. Right. Cause that's what he is. He's there to break you up and prepare you for the next. And that's exactly what this does. VHS. No one complained about the frame story in VHS. Yeah. Because the frame story is there. It gives you a purpose in that one, right? It tells you how you're seeing these tapes, and it's your sort of back out, step back in, which is a really cool way of doing it. I think that those two films are a little more lackluster than this, mm-hmm. but they are tied together by a interstitially told frame story, and so is this. And so I think it's yeah. just, that's that was my little rant again. I've got a lot of rants about the reviews of this, right? Because <laughs> I, I think people are fucking idiots. Well, but. you can't you you can't hold. You can't hold an anthology to, like, a full-blown horror movie standard in that way. Yeah. You, you're going to fuck yourself up. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> you're going to step in shit and have nowhere to wash it off. Yeah. It, it, it's a different... It's kind of like a different art form because of it just the is. parameters. Yeah. But I also think it's important because just how our brains work sometimes. And like you said, you can muddy the emotions. You can also muddy like what the fuck happened. Like you could easily confuse the plots between or the character. Mm -hmm. Like if, especially if it's your first time seeing it, you might be like, wait, whoa, like who's this? If it's not, or like, I think it tells the audience that like, these are very different. These are four very different things. We are not in the same world. We're not in the same universe. We're not in the same club here. We're yeah. not even in the same subgenre. We are moving on. Yeah. You know? So I yeah. think we should officially move on to the second yeah, one. Absolutely. So we've got a delightful Melanie Linsky mm-hmm. as Mary. Or She's Mary. wonderful. I love her. She's great in everything I've ever seen her in. 
Um, she's lovely. Yes. And then we've got Sheila Vond as Carla, the her like assistant. Yeah, like the the house um, manager nanny situation. Yeah, which we should also mention that Saint Vincent freaking directed this. Yeah, she wrote this with Roxanne Benjamin, who also directed the next short, Don't Fall. She directed it too, right? Yes. St. Vincent. Yeah. She wrote, yeah. Annie co-wrote Clark. it. and yeah, yeah, Annie Clark. Yes, that is her. That's how she's credited in this, yeah. Yeah, as she should be. And know? she did the music for it, which she of should course. have. Of she course. She did the music for everything. I, My number one crush is her. I think you're, I think a lot of people are in that club. She's amazing. I love her. Yeah, she's she's incredible. If if she could give me her guitar skills, I would be very happy. But then she wouldn't have them, so it's you know. Yeah. So then we've got Sanai Victoria as Lucy. So cute. Her adorable daughter, who is the reason for this whole film, because she's having a birthday party. Mm-hmm. We've got Lindsay Lindsay Burge as Madeline, and giving us so much Amy Sedaris energy. Oh yeah, or like Kristen Wiig too, a little bit. Yeah, it's a it's a nice cross between those two, which is not like that Venn diagram's nearly a circle, but yeah, they're very very similar. But it's it's amazing. She's she's nosy neighbor times a thousand, like God. just overbearing. It's incredible. Um, and then I guess we've got I I think it's Michael Doyle plays the father. The, de- the, the yeah, father. He, he plays a corpse. He's not even like, really yeah, yeah, he's not even really credited. Like he doesn't have a name, right? But. He's Mr. Mary, because Mary does not have a last name, apparently. And yeah, and I mean, then we've got like a bunch of kids who come to the party, and that's that's pretty much our cast in this one. Yes. Take it away. Cool. Yeah, so like you said, Mary is throwing a birthday party for her daughter Lucy. She wakes up. She is in her house robe and her nightgown and everything. And it's fierce, obviously. Yeah. She She's a but lady she's... in a mid-century modern home who probably has like a hundred matching robes and like little nighties and they're yeah. all probably really fierce but it's so funny because <laughs> she looks like hell like she looks oh, like yeah, she's she looks, got a white wine hangover uh, for yeah, sure definitely definitely so yeah it's this very like california suburbia vibe love it mm-hmm. this is contrasted by carla played by sheila vaughn like you said who is this gorgeous persian woman <laughs> it was all put together all Who's high dressed and tight. as Saint Vincent? Yeah, it's clearly yeah. it's clearly Annie Clark's stand-in here. Yeah. So yes, yeah, I love the contrast between those two. That was one of the things that was sharpest to me. Yeah. But it's got this very Lynchian vibe to it. Everything's sort of high concept. It's oversaturated, and I love that. Which this is, is why one, this is why I'm talking about like the the cinematography here because it's so gorgeous. It is, and which is why Carla is the perfect assistant like yes. she she gives me mad lynch vibes like mm-hmm. it's that like weird sterile way of speaking it's mm-hmm. it, you know it, it's everything's perfect. so caged and muted but like barbed and then mary gives us kind of like this like comedy level of like the office like a little bit just like She's just chaotic and chaotic not, yeah. and is, doing her best to hold it together but barely managing it's shoestring and wishes yeah precisely <laughs> <laughs> so while trying to get everything together, Mary finds her husband, David, dead in his David. home office. We need to stop <laughs> calling characters David. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm on only going to think about Shit's Creek. David. There are worse thoughts. <laughs> no, it's great, but it's just, it Every might be a little time. played. David? Yeah. David? Ew. David? Ew. <laughs> so, yes, uh, she, finds her, she finds her husband dead in his office, and there is... Because she does not want to traumatize her daughter, she tries to hide the body. Yeah. she. It's this very, it's this amazing, like, dark comedy of errors. 
Like they people it call is, this a black comedy horror, and I think that's exactly right. But they forget to add that it's a comedy of errors. It's like a farce. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's exactly it's a, farce. a farce. Yes. Yeah. It's so great. It's such a fresh way to write a horror story as a like sort of farcical thing. Because we see this in like Tucker and Dale is farcical. Uh, there there's elements of it in Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. There's elements of it in Scream. But this is one where it just works so well because comedy and horror both live and thrive in the short game. Definitely. It's very like noises off um, the play that goes wrong. So it's like overtly a farce. Yes. Like this is the thing. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I absolutely (laughs) adore it. I think it's so great. You could not dispute that it's a farce, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's all these like wonderful shots. Most of it. It's mostly silent, again. it's a pretty low dialogue film, which I'm always a fan of as well. That's the kind of thing I tend a to write. A lot of slow motion, too. Yes. Yeah. It feels like a music video with a horror farce happening throughout it, and I think that's a fun thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, basically, it consists mostly of Mary just trying to hide this body from her daughter, yeah. her nanny, and her neighbor. Yeah. And so she eventually answers the door to the rapping panda and buys the costume off the man, mm-hmm. stuffs her husband into it. Sits him at the the birthday table and someone happens to like bump into him as all these kids in all these insane costumes. All of the costumes are so weird. Yeah. It's so cute. The kid who's a shrimp is my favorite. I think. Oh my God. Yeah. Dressed as a the fucking shrimp. prawn. <laughs> can, I, can I get that costume? That's hilarious. So good. So they bump into David's corpse inside the panda suit. He falls face first into the cake. Carla lifts him up, pulls off the head, and then it's just screaming. And that's it. Yeah, it's really well done. I when you talk about conservatism in filmmaking, this is fucking it. And I yeah. don't mean political conservatism, I mean like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Conserving shots. Well, it's like it's it's exactly like what you said. It is kind of like a horror film farce inside of like a music video. So the so not a lot happens, but something very traumatic happens, yeah. you know, like Oh, and that's when they reveal the full title. Sorry. Yeah. So it's Oh, right. The birthday party or the memory Lucy suppressed from her seventh birthday that wasn't really her mom's fault, even though her therapist says it's probably why she fears intimacy. It's great. It's great. I love that little um ending. And it's it's funny. This is I think Annie Clark's directorial debut. I'm a She's fan. directed since then, but this is I think the first thing she did. I'm a fan. As far as I know. And it was really well done. Yeah. I'm glad that Roxanne Benjamin was there to help punch up the script with her. Yeah. Because like, I think, again, also her first foray into film writing. Yeah. Other, than, I'm sure she's done stuff in the past. Like, this is not as strong as this is. It mm-hmm. feels like she's done this before in some capacity. It's probably just been a while. For sure. And was under wraps the first time or something like that. So, what strikes me with this one is... I mean, I'm always going to love kind of just, like, a suburban mom who does not have it all together, who, like, was maybe never supposed to be a housewife, or maybe it was always their dream, but they're just really bad at it, quote-unquote. You know what I mean? Like, it kind of seems like the dad is, like, this high... Look at Carmelo Anthony. His dream was to be an NBA player, and he's achieving it, but goddamn, does he suck. Hey. So, like, we kind of get the idea that the dad is very, like, high profile, like, very busy, very office-y, you know, like, he he does some... It's always in and out of town. Like, he's literally not supposed to even be in town. Yeah, for the birthday and everything. So, I'm always going to love that, like, trope. Like, housewife who does not have her shit together in the slightest, um, but just very clearly loves their children or child. Yes. I just... And and who doesn't love a good farce? But what I'm getting at is what I love about how the women are portrayed in the two that we've talked about so far Mm -hmm. 
is that how many times, and I comment on this all the time, especially in older horror films, how many times does someone just like, I don't know, get like a pencil through the eye, doesn't even die yet. Yeah. And the woman falls to her knees and can't stand up all of a sudden and faints and is hysterical and is just like, (laughs) oh my God. Like, and it's just, it's such like a, so there's a trope there, Mm -hmm. right? Like you've got just like the woman who like, her she turns into like fucking jelly yeah and there's of course like a strong man there to like catch her and all that shit but in these two we've got we've got two very different reactions from the women and neither are that no (laughs) we've got we don't the mother in this doesn't i mean she doesn't have time to shed a tear no because she's the prime suspect right she doesn't have time to do any of this because she's got to hide all of her stuff or, or just him, really. Her baggage, you could say. Her literal baggage. She doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't have time to shed a tear, but well, she also doesn't funny. take time to shed a tear. You know, she's no. just like, oh no, she this just has got to go. But <laughs> yeah. it's so funny because like uh, the way she delivers. Melanie Linsky is one of my favorite actors. She's so underrated, and I, I feel like her talents were wasted in uh, that stupid fucking show, Two and a Half Men. Oh, yeah. She was all up and down in that. And Chuck Lorre doesn't know what women are other than, you know, a number of horrible things that I won't repeat. But yeah, I love her to death. And she delivers this line so goddamn well of just like, David. And it's when she finds out that it's an accidental overdose. Yeah. (laughs) He's got a big glass of whiskey and a handful of pills. And it's like. Or it was maybe it wasn't even a handful, but he like it, it was either an intentional suicide or an accidental overdose. Yeah. And her response isn't like to cry or break down oh, the stairs, what you say. Yeah. It's like, you dumb <sighs> fuck. Yeah, it's your like, ball it's your daughter's birthday and you went and did this. You couldn't do it fucking tomorrow. Yeah. Like it's an inconvenience to her. And I love yes, that. Yes. That's so that's such a great way to write that line and an even better way to deliver it. Yes. And that's precisely what I was getting at. Yeah. That no, she doesn't have time, but she also doesn't make time. She doesn't collapse no. in this immense pressured situation. She just fucking handles it in the best way that she can yeah. when the guests are supposed to be there in like T minus five, you know, right. like it's it's great. And then in the first one, we've got our apathetic seeming mother mm-hmm. who, again, isn't like, you know, nervously on the phone and shaking and doesn't know what to do i have no agency like it's just a different way of showing that yeah the mom in the first one doesn't really do anything but it doesn't stem from like i don't know yeah it's funny because she's (laughs) just like because the the, as we said she's just sort of like the mom susan in the first one in the box Mm -hmm. she's like what can i do i can't shove food down their throats yeah she's being very logical about it and i think a lot of women in in movies in general it doesn't even matter the genre unfortunately but especially in horror they're seen as like very fragile creatures yeah and very like protect the women and like you know like they can't Mm -hmm. fend for themselves like they don't know how to use a shotgun they don't know how to like use a knife they don't you know that they don't know how to react they just faint and shit and i love that in these first two it's completely different. I'd say it's like that throughout. Yeah, we just haven't gotten to Yeah, yeah, yet. sorry. I'm just, I'm trying to... I was looking forward. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Didn't mean to, to disparage you there. I was just like, no, no, no. I was just thinking, I was like, no, I don't think there's any woman who loses her shit here. It's amazing what can happen when women are in the room. Huh. Women actually get written realistically. 
And with integrity and agency. I refuse to let any of my women be anything other than a Mary Sue, goddammit. It's Mary Sue or blank wall. Oh, the horror. (laughs) As I faint into my own arms. I didn't even like like being facetious about that. That felt gross. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's kind of it's kind of funny actually. Okay. Because it's just so ridiculous. Yeah. Right. Like just... we can laugh about it now because hopefully we're making strides in in um doing in my films. damnedest. We're at least calling out people for yeah. writing women in a shitty way. Mm-hmm. It's not just like oh yeah, all women are like that. It's yeah. It's more of just like oh, you've never spoken to one. <laughs> you've never, or maybe you have, but you've never listened. I want you to note the restraint that's happening right here. I know. I'm really proud of you. You have not said the double A name. But we, I hope you can all feel like I have a nosebleed right now from trying to stop myself from saying it. I think they all know. I think everyone who's ever listened to an episode of ours knows. So yeah, I really appreciate the hilarity in this. Yeah. It's, it's one of my favorites. I think people kept saying it was the weakest and I completely disagree because I actually think the next is the weakest. Yeah. But... This was a, this is very well done. It's very tight. It's very easy. And they're like, oh, it's barely even horror. Well, so is most horror. There's a, I have a whole fucking show about it if you want to learn how much horror is not really horror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I wouldn't, I don't think I'd put this in, in a horror gnaw category even. No. Because it. It's a Poe story. It's, it's Edgar Allan Poe with a farce. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's like a weird take on the Telltale Heart. Yeah, that no, that's exactly right. Because I was about to go and spin out and do this whole thing, but you just you just put a slapped a thesis statement on what I was I was about to say. So <laughs> thank you. Didn't mean to cut you off. No, I'm no, glad no, no. Save you the work. Yeah, you say you saved me a lot of breath there because it's that's like when exactly you cut for me. Oh, because that's exactly what I was gonna get at is yeah. that if you think Poe is horror, which universally <laughs> like it's almost synonymous, then how can you think that this isn't? Is yeah. what I'm saying. So yeah, I read think, your classics, folks. It I mean, helps. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You will you will look like so much less of a head ass. Yeah. If you just read some good nineteenth century horror. Exactly. So yeah, I. I could go on about this one for hours, but I think we should keep moving. Yeah. Unless um, you have more to say on that, by which it all means. No, just just that um, her daughter is fucking adorable when her when costume. her well when she pees oh when she yeah pees and she ruins her costume and then and then the mom's like oh okay uh-huh like we we've got something else that we have to figure out so she just grabs a sheet and you know yeah. makes her a ghost and then she and the daughter's like stoked about it she's like, like i'm a ghost yeah oh my god it's so cute it's my favorite but seven-year-olds are great oh yeah favorite age by far they're just adorable um so yeah, I think that, I, that was the last thing I had to say about this one. Um, so our next one is called Don't Fall, and it's kind of your typical like monster slasher Yeah, it's movie. got a little Cabin in the Woods vibe, a little Evil Dead vibe to yeah. it. Yeah, it, it's, it's your typical story of like, you know, young adults going into a space that they shouldn't try to take up, but mm-hmm. because they're a little bit ignorant, they try to take that space and then they get fucked for it. Yeah, written and directed by Roxanne Benjamin, so who she co-wrote. The birthday party with Annie Clark, and then she wrote and directed this short. Great. I also really like her. She's done, I think she mostly or entirely does shorts and anthologies. Cool. She produced, She yeah, she produced both of the VHSs. She produced Faults. She produced Devil's Candy. She directed, produce, produced, and wrote uh, in Southbound, which is another horror anthology, and uh, did Body of Brighton Rock as well. So we've got Brita Wool playing Gretchen. 
mm-hmm. in Don't Fall, we've got Casey Adams playing Paul, Angela uh, Trimber, who we've seen in n- numerous other things before. Yeah, she's done, horror. she's done a good amount of horror things. She was in The Final Girls as mm-hmm. Tina, which I really loved, and then she's in Under the Silver Lake. Yeah, she plays Jess, and then we've got Morgan Krantz, who plays Jay. Yeah. And that's that's the only cast we've got here because, again, it's, you know, they're, they're going hiking or camping, both, I guess, and they go into this area that has a bunch of, like, indigenous... Uh, markings on yeah, in the cave, cave paintings, cave sort of paintings like that, yeah. sort of things like that, and of course, of course, the boys in this are like playing all these like pranks and shit. Yeah, her brother's Jay, and he's there, and he always fucks with her. Angela Trimber's her girlfriend, and they're and very then, like mansplainy to them. Like I don't yeah, like them. <laughs> no, <laughs> which Paul's is at least trying to not be as much of a dick because he's like, yeah. I don't, he's like trying. He's the only one who's like studied archaeology. Yes. So he's like, yeah, like this is. It's kind of like the midsummer thing where they're they're all anthropologists or studying to be anthropologists and they're just like fucking with all this shit. And I'm like, did you learn anything? Like, what are you doing? Stop tempting me. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay, that was it. I will not reference the double A name again. Full bleeding from both nostrils. Yes, it's it's a sight. But yeah, yeah, they're like they're very like mansplainy to to a certain degree and once again it is based on, you know, women's experiences I would venture to say like whenever you're in any situation there's always a man who would love to just tell you exactly what it is and you're just like um I've read books too. <laughs> I I can make letters, sir. I know read. <laughs> Why don't you go through the plot, actually? Yeah, the plot's, plot's nice and straightforward. Yeah. It's a it's a great little slasher monster film. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've got these four. Gretchen and Jay, brother and sister. Jay is looks like a fucking... He looks like Gary Oldman in True Romance. That whole, like... Sure. He's got those shitty little dreads, white boy dreads that are, like, pale and see-through and just, like, ugh. They're definitely playing on tropes here. Oh, for sure. It's like, they're woke all supposed boy. to be sort of, like, hipster adjacent fake, people, they're yeah. very like fake woke yes sort of. exactly yeah. that so they're out hiking in the desert and they've got an rv and everything they're camping and they're not supposed to be there and they know they say that explicitly and yeah jay's like oh gretchen don't fall and he, like tries to like play like he's gonna shove her into the canyon which you know cool dude yeah what really, if she actually fell yeah really cute pranks are stupid so jess gretchen's girlfriend defends her but she's like trying to be supportive and all of that but she's kind of like oh you know boys will be boys sort of thing right gross gross they find the cave paintings that depict this evil sort of demonic spirit evil seeming Mm -hmm. demonic ish demonic ish spirit and four figures underneath and it's freaky and gretchen gets freaked out and jay doesn't help again and gretchen's like i don't want to be here i want to go back let's leave Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, we're gonna stay the night. It's fine. You'll, you'll you'll calm down. Stop being such a scaredy pants. You've always been scaredy pants. Ugh. So they hang out around the campfire for a while. Gets stoned, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They're sleeping, and suddenly the RV is being attacked, and it's a Gretchen creature who becomes this like scorpion hybrid of Gretchen. Yeah, and kills everyone until Jess falls down off the cliff, breaks mm-hmm. her ankle, and Gretchen, the Gretchen creature, like walks up to the at ledge and like flips over and like skitters towards her and that's it yeah that's it that's it yeah that's it (laughs) (laughs) yeah this one i kind of struggle with it's probably my least favorite yeah it feels the least innovative it does what it says on the tin which i'm fine with it's it's competent it's solid it's just not one that i'm overly enthused about yeah same and 
I don't know. I think I, I think that that might be exactly it. Is like does what it says on the tin, but I'm just kind of like meh. Sometimes I want snakes instead of peanuts. Yeah, fair. I don't know what that means, but I'm oh, gonna... like those little tins of peanuts, and then snakes pop out. Oh, I said pranks were stupid, but it was a good way to to put that out there. Got so, it. I'm no. I love making obscure references to joke shop gag gifts. Hilarious. <laughs> Meet me at Spencer's. No. I don't have a whole lot to say here. I don't really either because it just it it follows all the guidelines of your traditional slasher yeah. uh, monster sort of thing. Like you've got the kids who are not allowed to be there, but because they feel entitled. Uh, yeah, that's exactly the word I was about to use. They feel entitled to all of the space, mm-hmm. even sacred spaces for yeah. other cultures. They, you know, feel like they can go and check it out. And then it it backfires. Honestly, they deserved it. Yeah, I'm not that's what I think. I'm like, I don't have any sympathy for I don't have any here. sympathy the for them. The most I have is for Jess yeah. and Gretchen, because I'm always partial to a pair of lesbians. I think well, lesbians are adorable. They well, make me happy. Well, and it's always sad when someone's significant other gets possessed or, you know, yeah. body snatching, whatever. It, it, that's always pretty sad because that's a death in itself. You've lost the person that you were in love with. Yes. Right? Yeah. So I, always, I have somewhat of sympathy for that uh, narrative. But, yeah, I mean, does what it says on the tin. Like, people... Yeah. People die. They they honestly like deserved it based on this narrative. They were somewhere where they weren't supposed to be, and because of just their own entitlement, and that's such a typical thing that we see depicted in films. Right. And it bit them in the ass. So call it like a cautionary tale. Like leave that shit alone. It's not yours. It's not your space. Don't go into it. It's it's just stupid. Yeah. That's that's yeah. I think that's what I would have to say here is that this is a a competent version of the it's a moral parable right yeah like, definitely. it's the same sort of morality play we've seen in different types of horror stories yes over the, especially over the last few years we've talked about this the uh, allegory yeah ones mm-hmm. is that like yeah you 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 fucked with indigenous land and it told you not to be there and then you stayed there yeah. because fuck it because you know well, we can get into all of that. We could get into all of that, but it's, it's you think I'm you not the person more... to talk about it, and it's yeah. easy. It's easy enough to understand. Don't go places you're not supposed to be. Yeah. If there's good reason not to be there, like you know, someone who lives there told you not to be there, uh, and leave it alone. Yeah, and, and you won't get possessed by a scorpion spirit. And, yeah. and kill all your friends. Well, and it's like it's the it's the very typical thing of where it explicitly says, like, don't fuck with me. Yeah. And then they do because they think that they have enough power to overrun this thing or that like that the whatever spirit it is is like bluffing or mm-hmm. whatever. But like and, and it's the whole uh, young adult mindset that nothing bad can happen to you or yeah. that you're invincible and all that. So all of that is a perfect shit storm to create of white this. skin as well. Exactly. It's a perfect shit storm to kind of create this cautionary tale. And that's pretty much all I have to say about this one. Yeah. Does what it. it says on the tin. If you want a good slasher short, go for it. Yeah. It's the most straightforward horror. Yeah. Of what people frequently consider horror in this. Totally. It's, it, I think I said it when we were watching it the most recent time that we watched it. I was like, I was like, yeah, this is the most like just classically like. Yup. Like, yeah. since horror was a thing, this sort of thing, this sort of narrative was present. Yes. So. Here the other are. three are a little more <laughs> traditional and they're different or like traditional in like the 19th century way because like we said yeah. you know it's it's the box has these very classic 
horror vibes to it of like yeah. something that just sort of unnerves you yeah it's like yeah theater the unnerving or something like that mm-hmm. birthday party it's a post story whether it's telltale heart or like a weird version of cask of amontillado or something like that mm-hmm. right yeah this is not this is just up and down yeah from the 70s 80s mm-hmm. throwback yep and it's not even a throwback because that's been what dominates the horror space for the last near 40 Ever. years yeah yeah. So Fine. yeah. So you want to head on to the last one? Yeah, which is my personal favorite because it's so fucking good. Because spoiler alert, guys, it's basically Rosemary's Baby, but like 18 years later. It's the sequel. Yeah. It's the sequel, and you guys know how much I love that story. So who made this come into fruition here? This was done by a fucking legend, Karen Kusama. Ah. I love Karen Kusama. I. Did recently talk shit on one of her movies because uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I did not enjoy the the invitation. That's right, she did do that one. But, but she also made one of my absolute favorite movies ever, Jennifer's Body. Then no harm done. Exactly you know, the invitation, you know? the schmimbitation. Invitation is still a solid movie. It's just not the kind of movie I enjoy watching. I think I, I you know, just I thought it was bloated and made mistakes. This, on the other hand, is neither of those things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you've mostly made good films into it yeah so she also got ripped off by clint eastwood oh really and he won an oscar for it fuck her her debut was girl fight oh and then he made million dollar baby and got an oscar sir wow wow okay so our cast we've got a beautiful christina kirk playing cora aka Mm -hmm. rosemary yeah (laughs) if we're (laughs) relating it um we've got Baby Heath Ledger, Kyle oh God, Allen. He looks exactly like him. Him and um, 10 Things I Hate About You because of the hair. Like, yeah. he looks exactly like that iteration of Heath Ledger's, like, look. But so, actually, all the stories are true about him this time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, we've got Kyle Allen, who plays Andy. Mother, son, Rosemary, Satan. Baby. <laughs> Rosemary, <laughs> baby, Satan. So, it is it is Kyle Allen, or we'll call him Andy for the sake of the doing the plot. Yeah. Andy has reached his 18th year. Yep. And as we know from Rosemary's Baby, means he is, we know he is the devil incarnate. Right. Right. And so we should say that explicitly in this, it's not, it is not a sequel explicitly inside the film. Yeah. It's a, it's a spiritual sequel is what we should say. So yeah, it's, it's. Yeah. No, it's not, not I just want to be clear that I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to put that out there, but that is Karen Kusama said, yeah, it's a spiritual sequel. Like, that's the whole point of it. Yeah, all of the all of the storyline matches when she starts to explain why they had to move away and all of yeah. that. It You know. Your father's a famous actor. He's blah, 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 blah. Might as well have said his name was Guy. <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> we didn't move here from New York. New we York. moved here from L.A. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, um, take us away with the, the official plot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Cora is a single mother to Andy. His 18th birthday is like a day or two away. And Andy is gruff and terse and moody and dark and all of these things, right? Your basic 18-year-old. Right, right. Yeah. And she's like (laughs) feeling him pull away from her and he's been acting sort of weird. She thinks he kills the dog at one point, like all this sort of stuff. She has to go in to his school because he's apparently ripped out another girl's fingernails. Not a normal teenager thing to do. No. Instead of punishing him, the principal and teacher are like, no, 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 it's totally fine. He's a bright boy. He'll change the future. And, of course, the the girl whose fingernails he tore off, her mother is there. Uh, the girl is not. But, you know, it, 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 there's a very, like, 
clear racial line here. The, yeah. the mother's a black woman, and Cora is a, a, a sort of very soft-spoken white woman. She's got um, she's got this very sort of like meek white woman vibe. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And so it it at first feels like a racial allegory. Like that's it's like oh we're gonna be talking about race, and then it turns out we're not. Yeah. But it's a nice throw-in to have there because it is yeah. true that that is how that would go anyway. It's another it's another kind of throwing you off sort of thing in the same yeah. way that it's throwing you off like, oh, yeah, he's moody because he's 18. Yeah, it's a good red you herring. Know? You don't yeah. know where this is going for a minute. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and there's all this sort of like blaming of like an, a, an outburst from the, the victim's mother and like, oh, it's the like hysterics and blah, blah, blah. We don't believe black women's pain. Believe black women's pain, please. Thank you. Yes, please. Jesus, please believe them. Please. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Sakura's like, freaked out. She's like, what the fuck? Like, what hold does he have over you? She... Which the delivery of those lines between the, t- the teacher and the principal mm-hmm. are amazing because they, they're, they've they got that kind of, like, sterile thing. They might not even blink in that scene, you know? Like, it, right. It feels There's that like soft, stepperty smile. It's in a trance, it feels like. And, it, and it, they use a lot of the same language that the followers or believers or whatever in rosemary's baby uses yeah that cult does yeah the whole cult yeah it's it's very um yeah yeah it's it's very accurate to that and it tracks and i really appreciated that because you as an audience member you get kind of like a oh that's what's going on like right. a, ooh. <laughs> so she runs into her mailman chet who's like oh i don't think that's uh your husband's boy is it and that's when we get that really cool scene from him. This is this actor like goes in for the three seconds he's on screen. I really appreciate that. He from does, that. and at first that you think praise him bit is so good. Oh my god, yeah. Well, and you at first you think at first you think it's that he just like has a crush on Cora because yeah. he's kind of like trying to ask her out to dinner, and he's just like very he's inserting himself, and you're like, oh, he must just like want to take her out. But then you quickly learn that he is a follower of the cult himself. Yes, and he does have that great. Um, again, it's it's kind of very David Lynch, just yeah. like this moment of just like it, he gets very wide eyed and it gets prophesying. very prophesying. Yeah, yeah, all this like romantic language and it's yeah, it's really cool. That praise his darkness, praise his darkness. It's great. It's like yeah. Alan. It's it was an Alan Tudyk like delivery, and that's yeah. always a, that's always a praise. Andy's voice has been changing, which it does, but it's not changing the right way. It sounds like it's double toned. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> his fingers and toenails are becoming claws. She witnesses. She finds him like ripping them out and everything in the bathroom. Yeah, like it's all bloody it's, and oh, shit. Oof. And so she's like, "Uh oh, yep, he's transforming into the Satan's bond." She yeah. tries to talk to him. She's stuck in his closet for a second. She also finds the fingernails of the girl. The, yes, yes. Yeah. That he's kept like a trophy. Mm-hmm. So he comes in and they they sort of have like a bit of an altercation and he forces her to bow to him and crawl to him. Mm-hmm. And Satan is falling on the house. Yeah. And Cora grabs him. And this is where she just delivers such an incredible performance. It's so well done. This quiet power that she has in yes, her voice. Yes. It's very asserted, but so it's a whisper. It's a she stage tells, whisper that has yeah. all of this gravitas to it. And I'm just like, fuck. And the dude. whole lighting changes when she yeah. grabs him. It goes to this like dark blue and she's just, you know, she's telling him it, it almost feels 
it almost feels like a centering exercise too. It's exactly that. That's exactly what I would say that is. Yeah, because she's like, she's telling him the story. Like, you remember, like, why I brought you, brought you out here? They wanted to take you. They wanted to take you away from me, but I wasn't gonna let them. Like, it's this whole like thing that's kind of bringing him back. I guess from, for lack of a better term, like dark side to light side, sort yeah, of. Yeah, from evil to good, yeah. Evil to good, yeah. Um, it's a battle for his soul. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, what, the, that's, that's what this moment is, and she's yeah. gripping him, and they both start, you start hearing the the house breaking, and their bones cracking, mm, and they That part bleeding. is really cool, where the, yeah. you, you can, like, just hear, like, this cracking. Oh, my, I love that The viscerality part. of this moment is just... It hits you in the gut like a it's why fucking this, punch this one, it's so good. Other than it being tied spiritually to Rosemary's Baby, this scene right here is exactly why this one is my favorite one of the four. Yeah. So they hold each other and he chooses her over his destiny. Mm-hmm. He he says, I don't, you know, he's like, I, I want you. I'm so sorry. I don't want to be like this. He's making me this way and I don't want to be the son of darkness sort of mm-hmm. thing. And so it's a really nice tender moment from him too, where he's, he doesn't say much in this film, but this is a nice performance from him here. Yeah. And yeah, their bones are cracking. Blood starts flowing from their, seeping out of their, their noses and mouths and then they die. Yeah. It's left a little ambiguous, but I, I've got to believe that two humans, or one human, one half human, or half demon, or whatever, yeah. aren't going to be able to fully stand up to the assault. Well, and there. also you would think, also you would think that by him not surrendering, he's no, he's not immortal. Exactly. Right? Yeah. By him choosing that, he probably chooses to be mortal Just in like a way. Hercules. Just like Hercules. Sorry, oh I mean Hercules. Hercules, and that allows. Him to die and his mother yeah. die. Yeah, like I think I think that's definitely the ending, and that kind of always was going to be the ending. Mm-hmm. I don't see how else you could have done that. Yeah, but really, really well done here. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's called her only living son, and I think that that is because it's a nice slip of a what do they call Jesus? Uh, his only begotten son. Yeah, and it's her only living son, and something like that. It's I, great. I think that there's there's a lot of play there that's going on really well, and I I love that. Yeah, yeah, and it again, if I'm you know. I'm going to tie it back to Rosemary's Baby because we've we've done an episode on this. Go listen to it if, if you so wish. Mm-hmm. What I will say for the character of Rosemary slash Cora is that this ending is even more heartbreaking for that narrative because that's all Rosemary wanted. Like, she yeah. could have done other things, but that's just all she wanted. She wanted to be a mother. She wanted to be married to guy who she was in love with. Yeah. She desperately wanted to be a mother and this is how it turned out, you know? Mm -hmm. And then for, for them to die together. There's power in that. There's power in that. I think that that again is the only way that this could have, you know, narrative could have spiritually ended. I know that they're not, truly connected but yeah. they are <laughs> in well, my mean, mind it's, they it's, are. it's like a divergent one right so they yeah. we see the flashback in there of her with the doctor mm-hmm. and helping her escape while she's pregnant yes and telling the father that she miscarried and leaving him and all of those sorts all of things of right that. yeah so it's what would have happened if the doctor had believed the younger doctor had believed her and yeah Rosemary's baby yeah exactly it changes that narrative that yeah. part of it Um, Which is cool because going back to what I said in the beginning of this episode um, about how cool it is when people just decide to answer their own questions and have it inspire their own art is amazing. And this is the perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. They made it work for the narrative that they were trying to write. And I think that 
as far as I know, fans of Rosemary's Baby, um, the story, not the director of the fucking movie, because mm-hmm. he's terrible. Once again, I will always preface this, I do not endorse that awful man, um, but... He's not the one who wrote the book, and that's really what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I think it was. This is the perfect. This is the perfect example of someone seeing something that inspired them and and asking the question, "What happens, 18 years later?" Yeah, and also kind of turning that into the like Teen Wolf thing, like yeah, where you can Teen Wolf thing here going on. Yeah, yeah, where you like, yeah, he's not going through puberty anymore because well, he's, he's still 18. Would be. Yeah, no, you, you, you like you're 25. Well, not like the dramatic like. Yeah, I guess you're in the yeah you're pa- you're past the the biggest parts of it. Exactly, you you go through changes, but still, it's not 14, 15, 16, you yeah, know, whatever. Um, and the whole the whole comparison of like hormones make you a fucking monster like teenagers just don't even know what they're what they're doing because they're overrun by like these hormones and they're like mm-hmm. angry they're you know and they don't even mean to be it's just like they're feeling so many things and going through so many things that they don't understand yet and i i think that it's pretty cool that this one kind of ties into that as well yeah i i think that this is such a great depiction all four of these well yeah, all four of these have different views on women, and I think that's mm-hmm. one of the things I wanted to talk about. It's just that like we, we don't have a lot of time left on this. I'm not going to drag this out to a two hour episode. No, 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 no. The I do want to get into this though. Yeah. So, what I saw from a lot of the reviews I read of this, and I'm not like I'm not going to cite any specific ones really because it's not matter, and I'm not going to just like dock some random neckbeard online. But what the response that I saw here was that basically the most charitable version I can give is that these people don't understand alternate forms of filmmaking and storytelling. Mm-hmm. We have seen this time and time again too. Yeah. Uh, I've seen it with, you know, black writers and directors like, Oh, it's not a good movie because I don't understand how it's being told. Like people like sh- shouted down Spike Lee and like, is not a good director because he told his films in a different way because the yeah. storytelling traditions are different between different cultures. Even if we all live in a broadly American one here and these are broadly American people making these broadly American cultured movie. Mm-hmm. There are subcultures. And so the way that, you know, because we have, for some reason, you know, white men were allowed to take over the horror field, even though it was started and created and flourishes because of women. Yeah. It is, it is easily, like, I I would say that more than any other genre, horror belongs to women. Yeah. Like, name more than five, you know, major male protagonists of, of, horror films that are like iconic or whatever and then i will just like you know it's it's a it's a shitty exercise to do but you know it's for every five men you name that are famous in horror i could name you 15 more women right definitely it's 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 a and i'm not i'm not here to like white knight or crusade or 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 virtue signal or anything like that it's just so fucking dumb to me that people fail to understand that there are different perspectives on horror and so because women have been pushed out of the creation of it Mm-hmm. by white men who think that they're superior at it and knowing how to make horror you, we've lost sort of the thread of this narrative of like we, we we've forgotten how to speak some of the language here that women speak when it comes to horror that it is different based on your lived experience and so i think that that is really important here and like that's that's what people are failing to understand when they're like oh well i didn't it doesn't even seem like it's really that much horror like people were talking about her only living son as if it wasn't terrifying yeah it, which is in a 
everybody horror lives different in everyone but it's one of those things of just like no you're just refusing to see the fucking point yeah wouldn't it be horrifying to have your only son be the spawn of satan and created against your will and that you have bled and sweated and just fought for this child's life and he dies in your arms on his 18th birthday because his father's a f- abusive piece of shit People just don't like to dig deeper sometimes. And I don't, and I think it's also just that they feel like they could never be in that position and they don't want to dig deeper. But I wanted to say that that's where I have the problem with people taking any sort of art form and defining theory about it. I get that there are certain techniques and there are ways that we have to talk about it to compartmentalize. Yes. And we have to be able to identify things and use vocabulary to identify those things but I think where it gets tricky and gets a little hairy is when you start claiming that something is bad or poorly made Mm -hmm. when it has nothing to do with the vocabulary that you've already set as the theory yeah you just because you didn't like it doesn't mean that it's a bad badly made thing you know yes. what i mean like oh it, absolutely no 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 i i am and with we you were here. we I've were talking well and we were talking about it i'll i'll make this brief but we were talking about it when it came to talking about like jazz music theory how yes. how it was brought by you know african-american men and women and and who just had this amazing talent to improv and had these really cool scales that just came from like their gut and then we try to stand even just like traditions of african music and yeah like and and, and like there's there's a whole lot of history we could go into but this is not a music podcast so no, basically no, no. yeah black black folks created jazz music as a fusion of all these different things and it grew naturally and it became a thing yeah i guess that's what i meant by like yeah. their gut you know it just it, it came from and like their ancestors and everything and then we tried to put like a stamp on it saying this is the theory of it and try to break it down and i was like well this kind of this kind of is what makes people be like this is bad and this is good when right. really it's 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 all it all it's exists different. in a different space like, it's just different and yeah. that that goes back to like the whole spike lee thing just because he's telling it through a different lens or through you know different his own ex- of storytelling yeah yeah his own experiences and just being experimental because wouldn't it fucking suck if it was all through right. one man's eyes like what the fuck <laughs> who wants that no nobody you might think you do you don't <laughs> um but yeah so that just stemming off of that i think it's really tricky and does everyone a disservice to claim that different ways of story making is synonymous with bad yeah and I wanted to also talk about this theme of women in this movie. Yeah, I have one more thing to say on, on what you yeah, were just saying. Yeah, go for it. Then we can, yeah, if you don't mind. It's it's so funny that people want to have all these definitions and rules and all these things, right? Like, you, you want to shove it into some rule set. So when you're talking about jazz theory, you're trying to take what is what is broadly a... It is a very American art form and yet owes so much of its roots to Africa. And so when you try to shove african music into a western theory western european it doesn't theory fit. it doesn't yeah it's it's sticking it's sticking a square piece in a round hole yeah and like, that's what i say so it should be it should be different like i understand <laughs> yeah. wanting to unify theories but it's just not it's not helpful it's not useful no i agree I, I would say the same thing if like you know people try to say like oh dick dale like he was they, they would ignore the fact that 
the the fact that he was Middle Eastern mm-hmm. and his ability to hear and play quarter tones is what made surf rock surf rock. Yeah. So it's it's that sort of stuff. That and that's that I mean we're using music, but again, interdisciplinarity, whatever. So yeah, it's, it's it's important to note that like definition bre- definition means death, right? Like I can only define that which is not truly living. It's yeah. the same way when people want to be all uptight about grammar. It's like no grammar is a def- is a description. Yes. Not a prescription. Well, and it's also kind of annoying when people like to say, which I do believe, learn the rules so you can break them later. Right, but the rules are but descriptive, not hard and fast. Exactly, exactly. That's, you You read yeah. my mind. Sorry. You read my mind. No, you made my point. You <laughs> read my theory. mind. But yeah, I like, uh, of course, learn the rules so you can f- fucking break them. Fuck it up. Yeah. But also, you've just got to know that those rules should not, like, they are not rigid. Yeah. They were they were dictated based on based on descriptions and like you're observing and describing when you create a rule set. That's what you're doing. Yep. That rule set is always modular. Mm-hmm. People change rules all the time. Yeah. D&D's had 16,000 editions. Yeah. Like in, in permutations. And that's what Because the rules exciting. keep changing because it has to yeah. keep stay balanced in different ways and people find ways to break it. So they're like, okay, well, now we're going to incorporate the break and balance the break and all of that thing. Makes sense. Just, yeah. Sorry. It's almost like it applies for all art forms. Huh. Hmm. Um, but anyway, so back to what I said, Rosemary is different slash Cora mm-hmm. is different in, in general because you were right. She is a, kind of a meek, soft-spoken woman in this. Right. But much like in Rosemary's Baby, gains 100% more agency by the end, right? Yes. Says, no, I'm not taking this shit. Like, I'm going through, you know, all these things that I don't understand what I'm doing. I don't understand where this is going to go, how this yeah. is going to end. But fuck if I don't get what I want, yeah. which in Rosemary's Baby is the fucking baby. Yeah. I'm going to figure this shit out. I'm not just going to lie down and say, like, yeah, my baby died. Yeah. I'm going to go, f- I know it's alive. I refuse to live in fear. Mm-hmm. I will make my own choices. Yeah. Precisely. And it really shows that women had a handle on this one because it's, and the way that she delivers that last monologue before they both die. So much power to that. So much power to that. But yet she's not screaming again. She's never hysterical. She's never these, uh, that like trope of the hysterical woman that a lot of men in horror like to project. And it's, there's so much power in her just saying, like, you are mine. You came from my body. Yes. You are not his. This, you know, I raised you. I did all of these things. Like, they tried to take you away from me, but yeah. I fucking fought for you, and I'm fighting for you now. And she's not, again, she's not screaming. It's a very silent, just like, no. Yeah. I'm standing my ground. And if I have a full feeling that if Amanda directed this segment, she would have been like, no, no, not my baby. Don't take my baby. Yeah. And it it, it might have been, been kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would have been a hysterical thing, like you said. Like, it, yeah. I think I have full confidence that most men would have directed her in the opposite direction. And I don't think both of them would have died if it had been a man. No, like the boy would survive and some fight shit. his father. Because yeah. it would be some weird vengeance issues. thing. Yeah. yeah like I got daddy. daddy issues too, but I'm not right making all my shit about it. Like, yeah. Goddamn. Damn. Um, But yeah, to kind of put a cap on this, it's a really fun, if you don't, you know, have too much time, but you want something a little different and you're just kind of feeling like getting a hodgepodge of genres, but it's all really well done. This is a great place to start. And especially if you really are wanting to support female writers and directors which you should i'm definitely directing you towards this you have no excuse because it's on freaking netflix yeah 
But yeah, I and the last one is my favorite. The third one is maybe my least, but it's still good. Yeah. I have nothing bad to really say about it. It's just it, does what it says on the tin. Yeah, it's it's very much I mean, it's Roxanne Benjamin style. Like when she's yeah. done things this this she There's comes nothing from, wrong with yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's no it's stylistically much more in line with uh, with VHS, where it's less mm-hmm. thematic and it's more, and I love punching in the gut horror. Like it's, there's well, nothing it's very wrong with different that. from just, the other three. I, yeah, it just feels out of place. But I also don't need, feel like we should dictate how women tell their stories. Some of them want to tell thematically, yeah, moving stories. Some of them just want to fucking fuck up some white kids who are being dumb. I also think that because it's <laughs> very, I also think that because it's very different from all the others that it actually fits. Yeah, you know. Yeah, diversity means diversity. Like that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is a wonderful start, and I really hope that more women are incorporated in horror films as we continue, and not just incorporated as the hysterical legs turn into jelly when someone gets a scratch <laughs> on their arm. Like, yeah, just, what the fuck? Anyway, I guess we will go on ahead and sign off here. I've yeah, kind my of, ass hurts. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to get a sanity walk-in. So yeah, as always, I'm Nicole. I am usually Tover. Usually. Sometimes he shapeshifts into something weird. Yeah. <laughs> Is that where you were going with that? I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I just can't help it. Yeah. So anyway, you know where to find us. We are Horror Babes Podcast on Instagram, horrorbabespod.com. And we are Horror Babes Pod on Twitter. Drop us a line. Give us a suggestion. If there's something that you watched recently that you really want us to cover, or maybe it's something we, ha- we haven't watched yet, we're yeah. so down to hear your suggestions. And I just want to remind everyone to find good places, verified places to donate. Mm-hmm. Uh, bail relief. Yeah. And and protest uh, NAACP. Uh, yeah. The, all of that. The, the, so the NAACP Legal Defense Fund is a great place to donate. I just donated to them today. It's, yeah. It takes less than, it, it's so easy, guys. It takes less than two minutes. Just have your credit card ready, mm-hmm. debit card ready, whatever. Beware of scammers. They're, this yeah. Is, this is a grifter paradise right now. But yeah. uh, please reach out with your, your hands, your voices, and your wallets. Uh, yes, our, please. Our family and it's time for it's us time for to, solidarity. It's, yeah, it's time for us to use our voices and everything for our um, marginalized friends and yeah. people that we that we love and and all of that. So on Instagram and, and maybe Twitter, we'll we'll try and put just some resources um, because I just think that the more that they're out there, the better. Um, if you actually if you go and look at my personal Twitter, I've got a lot of resources that I've compiled on there from around your, the internet. Yeah. Let's give it's, your handle. Uh, it's Tofaloaf, T-O-P-H-A-L-O-A-P-H. And I've also posted a, a, quite a few things as well. Um, I'm Nicole Lee Hood, um, N-I-C-O-L-E-L-E-I-G-H-H-O-O-D on both platforms. Um, and then we'll also put it on the Horror Babes pages as well, just because I think that the more that it's out there and accessible, the more people are probably going to get into it. So, yeah. and that is the most important thing right now to, and it should be to everyone. Yeah. We, we can't be silent any longer. Um, so anyway, on that note, we will see y'all next time. Yes. Bye, babes. Bye.